Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Hey Fighting Podcast. As always, Cody Worsham, Digital Media Reporter for LSU Athletics. Today is part two of the first two-a-day that Hester and I recorded a couple weeks ago. You'll hear uh, a couple of dated references like referring to Euro 2020, um, which is obviously uh, far finished, but it was on the TV when we were recording. Uh, before we get to part two, uh, I'm assuming and hoping that you listen to part one where we talked about the quarterbacks. Just to give you a quick outline of part two, we take one question from Twitter spaces from our friend Adam, uh, whose birthday it was during the episode. Again, happy birthday, Adam. And after we take that question, we dive into running back and wide receiver talk. Now, I felt a little bit bad because I didn't feel like we gave the time um, necessary to particularly the receiver spot. Um, and we may revisit that at some point, maybe through a Q&A or, or something. But the plan is for when Hester gets back from SEC Media Days, where he's at right now, to record a couple more of these. And we're going to talk about offensive line, defensive line, um, defensive skill position, secondary linebacker, etc. So um, when he does that, we may try to find some time to talk a little bit more about receiver because I felt a little bit bad. Um, that we didn't go deeper there. We do go deeper on the running backs here um, and, and talk about that position, which obviously Hester has a lot of experience and expertise uh, with running backs, but uh, I felt like we shortchanged the receivers a little bit. So before we get to the episode, and I just mentioned SEC Media Days, I do want to address one thing at receiver that we didn't talk about at all uh, in this episode, and that is the possibility of Derek Stingley playing wide receiver this season. You'll hear Hester and I talk about the number two receiver position, and Again, I feel bad because we didn't talk enough about how incredible Keishon Butte was to end the season. Um, I think the fact that we didn't talk about him says exactly the, the the amount of confidence we have that Keishon Butte is in for a huge season. He's up next. He's the next big receiver at LSU. And uh, there's really not much to say other than we expect that he's going to be very, very good this season. There's a little bit more question at the number two spot. Hester and I do talk about some of those different guys, but a name that didn't come up was Derek Stingley Jr., that, of course, has been a storyline going back to last season. Maybe he would play last year. This year, he's got number seven. The The answer last year was, hey, we're going to let Derek focus on defense for his first two seasons. Then maybe we will revisit him at receiver. Unfortunately, I don't have any inside information to share. I don't know if Derek Stingley is going to play wide receiver or not this season. I hadn't been out at uh, team practices and, and seen him catching passes or anything like that. I don't have anything to contribute to that part of the discussion. I will play the audio from Derek Stingley's answer. Here's Derek Stingley being asked that question. One-on-one, -on -one, any team pass, any blitz period, they get a grade. And that grade's put in the computer. And then we'll put all the grades together, look at it, and see who wins. Now, Final. it may come down to that. It may not. It may come down to I say, hey, this guy's the best quarterback. I know he is. He's the best quarterback. Was that the most informative answer? Uh, no, it wasn't. Does it leave room for the imagination to wander? Yes, it does. And I, I think ideally, if you're LSU, your number two receiver production comes from receivers. But man, I, it's been a while since we've seen a player at the college level play both ways really effectively. And all you have to do is go on YouTube or Twitter and look up highlights of Derek Stingley playing receiver uh, in high school, and you, you can't help but let your imagination run away with itself. So Food for thought, something to consider uh, in that discussion. One more soundbite from SEC Media Days. We'll recap SEC Media Days a little bit more with Hester next week when he gets back. But I did want to play this because the first question we take on this episode before we talk about running backs and receivers is about the quarterback spot, which we obviously broke down in depth in the last episode. And Coach O got asked about a very specific aspect of evaluating the quarterback battle between Max Johnson and Miles Brennan 
thought it was an interesting answer and maybe lets you know that while there is plenty of room for subjectivity when evaluating quarterbacks, objectivity goes a long way. It's not just going to be about a coach's opinion, although it will be an important factor and maybe the decisive factor, but stats and facts and production are going to go a long way in this decision, have gone a long way in the past, and will be a huge part of the decision. So here, specifically, is Coach O being asked a question about evaluating the quarterbacks this fall. Coach, with this quarterback battle and the guys and their experience level with Max and Miles, how do you chart this battle to keep it fair? How do you evaluate <laughs> everything, yeah. especially after last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, well, when we were going to college, uh, there was no computers. Yeah, you couldn't keep everything. <laughs> just, it'd be hard. Yeah, but now there's computers. Now we got analysts. Now we got PowerPoints. Everything is graded. We film everything. We got analysts grading everything. That's gradable. Now we're not going to grade individual. And, but, you know, any team period that's competitive, any 707, any one on one, any team pass, any blitz period, they get a grade. And that grade's put in the computer. And then we'll put all the grades together, look at it, and see who wins. Now, it may come down to that. It may not. It may come down to I say, hey, this guy's the best quarterback. I know he is. He's the best quarterback. It may come down to the last day. I'll give you an example. Last year, TJ and Max, when Miles got hurt, were in a competition. It was a close competition. Wednesday afternoon, we had a third down period. TJ won the third down period. The whole team saw it. TJ won the contest. So sometimes it's obvious. I think this is going to be obvious. Sometimes it's very close. We have to go to the computer, look at it. And sometimes it's going to be a gut feeling. Maybe the most interesting aside there from Coach O was that he thinks it's going to be obvious. Um, He obviously has a lot more insight into the program than anyone listening and certainly than me talking. Um, So for him to think that it will end up being obvious to me is super interesting. Don't know which way that leans, but I find it completely fascinating and my brain won't stop thinking about it. So enough of that, enough of uh, the recaps of SEC Media Days, more of that next week when Hester gets back for our next two-a-days. Again, we will be doing offensive line and defensive line, and obviously Austin Deculus was there and talked about the offensive line, Um, so it'll be good to talk about those guys in the trenches before we move on to uh, the linebackers in the secondary. So if you have any questions, by the way, feel free to send them to me or Hester on Twitter. Also, I saw that we got a couple voice message questions, uh, and we'll use those for the next episode as well and maybe play with Twitter spaces some more. So, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and swing it to part two of the first two days where we talk about LSU's running backs and wide receivers. Try this with Twitter spaces. We got a lot of people who've been listening for a while, actually. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I am going to try to take some questions now Good on luck. Twitter spaces. Now, I think it'll work on Twitter spaces. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried a little bit about the podcast audio. Apparently, I can get some of this this uh, space audio after. But I'm going to do something very high tech here. Um, Paul, you'll have to forgive me for um, doing your, your, uh, your profession a disservice. I'm going to hold the microphone... <laughs> Next to the other microphone, and we'll get double double I mean, audio. I, I can appreciate this method because, as you know, I am a self-proclaimed redneck, so I can appreciate two days, baby. us doing this. Two days. We're figuring it out on the fly. All right, so you're not going to hear Hester as well for a second because I'm going to pull the microphone closer to my face. I do see one request. It's Ooh, fine. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm a little bit uh, nervous. I'm, just, I'm watching the Euro, so you go ahead. Yeah, okay. Who's playing, by the way? Slovakia, Spain just started? Okay, yeah, I know we want to watch that. 
Uh, I have one requested question so far. If you do want to ask a question, raise your hand. Please, um, please be mindful that this is a, a family program. Um, in case T Bob is listening and wants to ask a question, let's let's just keep the, the questions <laughs> G rated. All right, disappointed Pelicans fan, um, you should be uh, you should be live. Um, disappointed Pelicans fan, do you have a um, do you have like a, a, a Christian name that you could give us? Uh, my name is Adam. What's up, Adam? Um, do you have a, a question you'd like to ask me and Hester? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, first of all, let me say, Cody, I'm a huge fan of your show. Oh, Hester, you. I'm a huge fan of the way you smashed through Florida that one time. Um, it's real cool that I'm getting to speak to you guys, especially awesome. today on my birthday. Oh, happy um, birthday, Adam. Yeah, thank you. So my question is about uh, Max Johnson, and okay. you guys touched briefly on the fact that he's the son of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And, of course, we've seen – oh the guy, Adam? Yeah, in my back. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, sorry, I disconnected from Wi-Fi. Um, we've we've seen uh, the poise that he has shown, but I was wondering if you guys, who have like a little bit more insight to stuff going behind the scenes, have any like neat thing that you've seen from him in terms of how he prepares or how quickly he picks up new concepts or something that's maybe not normal for a freshman that could be impacted by his lineage, I guess. Sure. Awesome. Great question, Adam. I'm going to go ahead and um, unmute uh, or mute you, but thank you for uh, hopping on. If anyone else wants to uh, wants to ask a question, go ahead. Hester, I'll let you start answering while I figure out the technology. I'll tell you this. One thing that I've seen from Max, and it's not even necessarily, you know, I've watched this practice where he's made this play, but one thing that's always impressed me is his relationship with the other players. He's always in the building. Anytime I've ever gone over to the building or if I've gone to uh, the 707 that they had or the camp that they had, he's there. And he's there and his teammates do gravitate towards him, right? That's something that I have noticed from Max. He creates those relationships. I think it almost, it happens organically. And that's not to say that Miles isn't in the building. I've seen Miles plenty as well. But I've noticed that from Max from like the get-go. Yeah, like That is something that you don't have to go looking for Max. Max is going to be doing something football-related at all times, I, I this is on this Football isn't guy. me trying. Yeah, this isn't me trying to be funny. I don't know if I've ever been in the building where I didn't see him. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have two stories. Two two Max stories. One is after the Ole Miss game last year. Um, the way we did post game last year was a little bit different because of COVID. But I did do in person interviews with guys after the game, and so it was the first time that I talked to Max uh, in person for the podcast. And so we do the interview. I thought it went really well. Uh, I've worked with athletes of all levels, all levels of comfort with the microphone. Some guys walk in and they're like, yeah, put the microphone in my face. Let me talk like the Braden Fajoko types who was listening, right. by the way, earlier. And he's gone. I, I was, I should have asked him to yeah, hop practice. in. Oh, okay. Hey, go make the bolts better. <laughs> go make the bolts better. We need right. that. Let's go. Um, some guys or, or, or girls too, male and female athletes come in super comfortable with the mic. Others right. are not. And they, they need work. Right. And I, and I get that. Um, Max, I thought, was great on camera, did really well, answered the question effectively, confident, poised, whatever. And we finish, and he's like, man, I got to get better at this. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I, was like, I thought you did great. He's like, no, I got to get better at this. Like, I, I'm not used to like having cameras in my face and like answering questions and stuff. He's like, that one answer that I gave, like I didn't like it very much. And I was like, wait, are you like doing immediate post-game analysis <laughs> on your interview? He was like, yeah, I just, you know, just want to get better at this. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I could have done better. So that right there told me like you've got a little bit of a perfectionist you've got someone who's self-analytical um who self-evaluates literally right. in the moment um 
but then like I asked him a question. I was like, yeah, you know, like with NIL coming up and, and um, you know, being able to make some money, like, yeah, you want to get as many reps as you can and be out there in the media as much as possible. And he was like, what's NIL? I was like, you know, NIL, like right. be able to make money off your name, image and likeness. He was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So like that he, he's got, um, I, I just came up with this theory in the fly, but I love coaches who are well-rounded and know like about the world, like Durante Jones, Andre yeah. Carter, guys who could talk about anything kind of like football players who just are super focused on football. Like right. the joke, like I like them to know other stuff, obviously and be conversational, but I love hyper-focus. I think that's like Joe Burrow was the most hyper-focused person I've ever seen. Max has a little bit uh, of that to him. The other thing is I bumped to him at football ops one day and like asked him, I, I won't go into the de- details, but ask him a question about a current event, if you will. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. No idea. What, I was like, I was like, Max, literally everyone's talking about this. Yeah. How do you not know what I'm talking about? He's like, I don't know. I'm just, I was just here to get some, some work in. So like, it's that, it's that same, that same mentality that, um, I don't know. No, does, no, no. Does no. it make a difference? I, it, it, no, I, I think, think it does. does. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think it does. And I, I've been very fortunate with the quarterbacks I've played with in my football career and, and Philip Rivers had it, but Peyton Manning had it more than any person I've ever seen. Like you hear the sayings, but it, it doesn't happen every place. And even though they say it does, it doesn't, but you weren't going to be Peyton in the locker room and you weren't going to outlast him in the locker room. You weren't going to know something that he didn't know. I saw him have one missed assignment in the two years I was with the Broncos. One. And let me tell you, the whole team let him know about it because <laughs> it was so unique. But this was a guy that, we, Cody, we're about to play the Baltimore Ravens, right? And he gets in front of the offense and he says, All right, guys, we got to change this code word up. And we're like, Why we got to change? We've been doing that like this for a while. Like, why are we changing that code word up? He goes, you know, we played them on Sunday Night Football in 2001. It was a national TV game. You know those mics, they, they're kind of hot national TV games. So, you know, let's go ahead and change that code word up because I did use it when I was in Indy against Baltimore. It means the same thing now. We kind of brought it back. I'm sure they're going to go back and watch that game and be able to pick up that code <laughs> word. And I'm sitting here thinking, Peyton, there's no way in the world they're going back to watch a 2001 game or whatever year what you know it was. It was like a they, they ain't over built like you, Peyton. No, no, it was over a decade long. I'm like, if they go back and they listen to that game and they get our play when we use that code word, I'm gonna tip my cap to them and say, well yeah, done, Baltimore. yeah, you deserve it. But that's the way that his makeup is. Yeah, and Max has a little bit of that because, again, like he wants to be prepared for every situation, and I'm not saying that it's you know, that you can't worry about outside things from the building because you can't. Like Matt Flynn was able to do it. Matt Flynn could tell you what the topic was of the day, but he also did his work sure. and he was always prepared and ready to go. Sure. But there's something about those guys that when it's football season, they know how to dive in because they want to. They yeah. want to be that guy that soaks in every bit of football knowledge that they possibly can. That creates relationships, not only with the players, but with the coaches and with the staff yeah. around you. N- Nussmeyer has this too. Max has it a little bit too. Like when you grow up around a coach, or a high-level player, NFL Super Bowl winning quarterback like Big Bad Brad. Um, when you're when you're around that your whole life, it's just ingrained in you. Now, all that said, I, I think it's informative. I think it tells us a lot about who Max is. Again, I go back to uh, to if I'm Jake Peets and I'm making this decision or I'm deciding, you know, who, who's going to give me a better chance to win. Doesn't really mean much in that moment. Jake Peets isn't going to be like, well, Max's dad played in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to give him the ball. Like. It's going to be who's going to give me the best chance to win right now. I think, I think it's obvious to say that, but I just want to be like very clear that um, I, I su- fully support and endorse Like if a fan wants to have, if you're sitting around drinking beers on Sunday and you're like talking with your buddies and you're like, Max or Miles, let's go. And like you start duking it out and you, you take your sides. I'm all for that. That's the fun of being a fan. We're right. not going to do it. That's not our role. 
I just don't think that argument, I don't think that's an argument for or against somebody. It's just, you know, it, right. it's not going to determine um, necessarily who is better in that situation, but it is informative into the makeup right. and, oh, that's why Max is like this. Oh, that's where he got that from. Oh, he grew up, you know, that's where he gets this from. Um, so it's, I, I think it's, uh, Max clearly, clearly, clearly uh, has that, that, that twist to him. And I'm guessing it's from growing up around his dad, um, being around the game like that, being around the high-level game. Um, Joe had it. Nussmeyer has it. Miles has developed it. Um, but, I, but I think it's a, it's a real advantage for, for a quarterback to have and tells you a lot about what that quarterback can do. Uh, I'll open up spaces one or two more times if anyone wants to raise a hand. And ask a question. I see we have a bunch of listeners, actually. You're doing good on the fly here, Cody. Doing okay. Like, the great part is in post, I can edit all this out. I'm a little bit concerned about if um, if Spaces is going to provide the audio or if I'm going to have to use the audio where I held the microphone up to the, the other microphone. I kind of hope you have to use it where you held the phone up to the microphone. I can appreciate that. I, yeah, I'm a hustler. Two days. We're figuring it out on the fly. All right, I don't see any more questions coming in from... Um, from Twitter, so I'll, I'll come back to the spaces in a second. I'm gonna swipe up, go to another app, assuming that the spaces still stays live. Don't know if it does or not. So we're gonna go to Instagram, where, where we point if at. It, if it's red there on the clock, that means it's live still. Okay, that's what so I figured. That's what I figured. I figured the red up, was good. I'm gonna go to Instagram, at Cody M. Worsham, if you wanna follow me on Instagram, I'm trying to get to 3,000 followers there. Don't know why I want 3,000 followers. Don't think it's gonna change my life that much, but hey, <laughs> wanted, to, uh, wanted to go ahead and get there. We're gonna swipe through my stories, and we're gonna look at some questions. And uh, see if there are any quarterback questions because I see some running back questions, receiver questions. I'm going to go ahead and decide, by the way, we're not going to get to the skill position, guys, today. I mean, 30, we got 30 minutes to do that. We can try to squeeze it in. Quarterbacks always steal the thunder. I know. Always steal the time. They've been doing it for as long as football has been. Oh, a lot of running back and wide receiver questions. We're going to have to save these for, for later. Oh. I think that's fair. Can, can we go ahead? Can we get to some? Can we just answer some of those? I mean, I know we've okay. only got 30 minutes, yes. but. The running back position and the maybe the number two receiver question, I think it's a valid question, and we can get to some of it here and maybe finish it on another episode. Yes. We've got okay. nothing but time. No, so here's what we're going to do. This Although we've got to be out of here in 30 minutes. Yeah, this, no, this is a perfect <laughs> opportunity. So, like I said, did a lot of nu numerical deep dive stats on the quarterbacks, yeah. less so on the running backs and receivers. So what we'll do is we'll pivot now from the quarterbacks and – I guess just keep it in the same episode and make it a long episode and give people a longer episode rather than two split-up episodes. Let's pivot to running backs and wide receivers. The one thing that I did do with running backs and wide receivers is the who's back, who's returning, who's new aspect. Um, now, in order to access that aspect, I have to type in the correct password on my laptop. Once I do that, we're going to be smooth sailing. All right, let's start with running backs. Who's gone? All right, Trey Bradford, uh, who I appointed as the breakout running back this year, has left LSU. So he literally broke out. He broke out of LSU, yep, and he's he gone to another school. And then Chris Curry is gone as well. Shout out to Chris Curry. Uh, just love Chris Curry. Absolutely. Love, love Chris Salt Curry to death. Earth. Wish, Great human being. Wish him all the success in the world. Recently, one of our video guys, Matt Tornquist, posted a video on, I think, Twitter. And Chris like commented, like, y'all are the best. Love you guys. And it was just like, love Chris Curry. Okay, who is back? Ty Davis-Price, John Emery. Josh Williams, who is new, Corey Kiner, Armani Goodwin. Going to get this out of the way early. Um, I don't know anything about Corey Kiner, Armani Goodwin. Nothing. They're true freshmen. They haven't been on campus until now. Um, neither one of those guys was here in the spring. I don't follow recruiting, so I can't speak to their skill set hardly at all. I don't know if you can or not. If you can, we can do it now. Can it, 
let's save the skill set talk, but can I just say, because I want to give him a shout out, I had the opportunity to meet Corey Kiner. Okay. I went over to the facility. He happened to be there. And funny enough, he recognized me from the radio show, watching it on TV. And then once he figured out, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you played running back here as well. So <laughs> oh, so you've made the transition. I made the transition. I actually nice. was kind of fired up about it. I he's, bet. A, he's an OTB fan. Uh, there you but go. Shout then, out to Corey Kiner. Then we started talking, and he was maybe the most impressive young man I've ever sat oh, wow. down with. I mean, he was incredible. He talked about just all the things that led him to LSU because he had never been here before. That is just insane. I can't yeah, imagine. For, you forget about that you, aspect. You're, you're 13 hours away and you come to LSU kind of on a whim because you disrespect the program so much. Ohio kid. Ohio, LSU's had yeah, some Mr. success with Ohio kids. Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. But just sitting down and, and just talking about life with him for an hour, I walked away highly impressed. And I, I was like, dude, what do you like? Kind of, what do you do all day? He's like, well, I'm taking, I'm going to start classes at this day, but I just want to be around the program. I want to learn about LSU's history. I want to learn about you know, all these different things. Nice. He's like, I go to Breakfast Club, you know, study hall in the morning. So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I said you said you weren't in school. He goes, no, I'm not. But I just want to get an idea of what Breakfast Club is about. I want to get a head start on being able to learn the right ways to study and how to, you know, go about being a student athlete. And I'm Love like, it. wait a minute. Who are you and where can I find another one of you? I mean, I, I was blown away. So on the field, I'm like you. I have not yet seen him in pads. I don't know what skill set he's going to be able to bring. Obviously, Mr. Ohio, that goes a long way. But just from a human being, I can tell you, I hope LSU continues to recruit guys like that. Uh, we don't. We haven't seen him, but you know who has is Alan True of 24-7. Yeah. And he has a very good scouting report of him. Compares him to Kenneth Dixon of the Baltimore Ravens. Says he's a yeah. thickly built. Former, oh, excuse me. Uh, Louisiana Tech Bulldog, yeah. Thickly built with a compact frame, runs hard, shows good balance, ability to break tackles, shows burst, accelerates quickly when he gets the ball, does a good job of finding lanes, runs with a, with little hesitation, solid change of direction, ability to cut. Um, not as not a back that will make as many men or defenders miss as That's he okay. will run through arm tackles. <laughs> so okay. Now I see why you love That's the okay. guy. He, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot. Maybe North a, and south, not east and west. I he, like that. He might be on Baton Rouge Radio in like 25 years. There you go. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy with that 25. Yeah, I, I added, a, I added yeah, a, few, easy, easy. a few numbers there. And then, of course, Armani Goodwin, the other newcomer. Which was a, a great, I don't want to say surprise, but you got That's him. That's the at, kid that was committed to Auburn. Auburn. You got ah, him in the, love when, you got love him in the 11th hour. Uh, someone who the staff was absolutely just going crazy about when I had a chance to sit down with them. So you've got young running backs, but let me go ahead and just steal this. You've got to have one of the veterans step up. Yep. And I don't mean that like, oh, you got to play better because they've had moments for sure in LSU uniforms. And running back by committee is completely okay. When you look at championship teams or championship level teams at LSU. 03 had it, 07 had it, 11 had it, right? I know 11 didn't finish it, but they were one of the best college football teams not to win a national title, right? All of those teams have running back by committee. Now, Clyde, what he did in 2019, that's kind of the outliner and the fact that he was used over 90% of the time. Committee's okay, but I want to see someone say, you know what? I'm RB1. Yeah. Because even those committees have that. They yeah. have the guy who is the starting running back. I'm going to be the guy that when we break the huddle in the Rose Bowl, I'm in that huddle more times than I'm not in that huddle. I want to see that mentality from TDP. I want to see it from John Emery. I want to see them take over that running back room to be the voice in that running back room. And I'll be honest with you, Cody, I don't care which one it is. Yep. Both of them are extremely talented. Now they're different, but both of them are extremely talented and they've had flashes. I need to see more consistent success on the field than just the flashes because I know they have it and I know that they have the mindset you know they've had some things they've gone through but they have changed their mindset now I need to see that translate to 
I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the guy. Everybody else is playing behind me. Okay, so let's talk about TDP and John Emery together. The beautiful part about this conversation is, unlike the quarterback position where you know you have to, a lot of people feel like, oh, I got to pick one. I got to pick a guy that I think is the starter. Blah blah blah. Um, running back, you don't have to do that. Now, you like you just said, not to invalidate your point, you do want one guy to emerge, but you are going to be able to use multiple guys in different packages and different situations, all that stuff. So let's look at their numbers from last year. This is all from Pro Football Focus. Their numbers are sometimes slightly different because they don't take away negative yards as much. So uh, if these numbers don't line up with what's at LSUSports.net, that's why. Uh, Last year, Ty Davis Price, nine games, 104 attempts, 446 yards, 4.3 yards per attempt, three touchdowns. He graded out at uh, 80.1 in the run game with 315 of his 446 yards coming after contact, so about three yards after contact per attempt. John Emery was at 76 carries, 373 yards, so slightly better yards per attempt at 4.9. Three touchdowns, had a 76.3 run grade, so slightly below TDP, but had uh, 268 of his yards after contact, so slightly higher, about a half yard more per attempt after contact. Forced 20 missed tackles to Ty Davis Price's 18. So when I when I read those numbers, a couple things stand out to me. One, those yards per attempt have to get up. Um, I don't know, you you speak to this, I don't know how much I put that on the running back's feet because I can look at it compared to the rest of the SEC, but I've got one back that's getting three and a half yards per per carry after contact and another getting three. And I've got one guy that that forced 20 missed tackles and one guy that forced 18 missed tackles. That seems like, comparatively, that's enough after contact. Maybe the line... And we bring LSU brings back an experience line we'll talk about in a different episode needs to get a little bit more space for the these guys to operate. How much growth do these two guys need to see as runners based on what you saw last year? Well, real quick, yeah, when you start breaking down some offensive line numbers, which I think that group improved, and we're expecting a lot from that group this year. Take the Missouri game, for instance. Missouri was able to get, uh, I believe it was over four yards before contact in that game against mm. LSU. LSU on the flip side of that had zero yards that they were able to get before contact. Okay, so some of that falls on your offensive line and the push up front. But also, at the end of the day, as a running back, they always say, hey, you got to make the first guy miss. And those old cliches, right? Uh, so some of it comes on that. But when, when you look at let's take John Emery first. I would love to see John Emery get over 20 carries in a game, something he's never had in his LSU career. Because we see flashes. We saw it against Vanderbilt. We saw it against South Carolina. Um, we saw it obviously against Alabama. He had the long, the 54-yard touchdown run. But I'd like to see him get that run where it's like, hey, we're going to turn around and we're going to hand you the ball. Yeah, right. It felt like Vanderbilt was the closest that he got to that last and that was, year, and that was 12 carries. Yep. Right. So some of some of that I would love to see with John Emery. I'd like to see that in his growth process because just because you can say, oh, the coaches hadn't given him the ball 20 times. Okay, has he shown you in practice that he can handle 20 carries? Has he shown you that that's something that he has the ability? to do um that that's really one of the things I, i'd love to see from john Emery. that and in the passing game as well where clyde was so dynamic whoever takes over at this rb1 position because we know jake Peets wants to have empty right empty is going to be in his repertoire he's going to have the back out clyde was split out so many times in 2019 we saw it in the spring game are you out there for window dressing are you out there to run a hitch or a go? Are you really part of this two-man route combination? Because Clyde was. They closed the Florida game out with Clyde and Jamar Chase in a two-man route combination. Yep. Okay, I have to so, uh, see that. I ha- you have to show me that ability 
that you have that. And I think every running back on this roster can improve in that aspect of the game as well. So to put in context the numbers that I threw out there earlier, Clyde was at about 3.65 yards after contact per attempt in 2019. Emory was at 3.5 last yeah. year. So that's that's the elusiveness is there. Yeah. Um, you'd like to see some more home runs out of the running game. And, 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 and since the shift in philosophy at LSU from run first, pass off the run, to pass first, run off the pass, to me that's what I'm looking for, the ability yeah. to hit the home run in the running game and the ability to get the necessary yards, and I mean, we can go back to the Missouri game where LSU couldn't punch it in from the the one at the end of the Plus game. Don't. Yeah, I don't know it's why I brought a, that up. I just yeah, not, love to uh, self torture. Yeah. Um, but that's more about me than anything else. Um, it's not my favorite thing to talk about either. Yeah, let's just let's delete that part from the podcast <laughs> and rewind. <laughs> um, that was my rewind. That's good. Thank you. Um, you'd like to see guys hit home runs and then get the necessary yards. That's really what you want in the run game. Hit a couple home runs for me and then get the yards that we have to get in the moment. So we could talk stats. Um, I don't know that that's quite as vital. I think the, the missing component right now from, from this running back room is in the passing game when you compare it to 2019. Yes, absolutely. I do think you can coach around that. You can scheme around that. Um, I don't know that these guys have that skill set inherently in them the way that Clyde did, but if they can catch a couple balls and make a couple plays in the passing game, I think that makes a difference. I'm not going to ask them to do things that they're not capable of. Right. I'm not going to expect that from them. They can contribute there. It's bonus and gravy for me. But do what you do well. We know what Ty Davis-Price does well. By the way, looked slimmer in the spring. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I went in there and talked to Kevin Falk before the spring game for a podcast. was asking him about Ty. He was like, Ty wants to play bigger. He wants to play at 230, 235. We're trying to convince him that it's much better for him to be at 220, 225. Right. Comes out in the spring game. And looks much closer to 22225, and I thought he looked great. So he's he's bought into that aspect. He's going to stay slimmer. Um, that's great. And with John, I think it's just opportunity and just getting the opportunity, taking advantage of, of it when you get them, capitalizing yeah, there. Exactly. You have to earn those opportunities. You have to show yes, day do. in and day out, right? And that's on the field. That's off the field. You have to show day in and day out that you deserve those opportunities because I do think, man, if he gets that opportunity, he could be he could be really special, and I've actually had the ability to sit down and have conversations with him this off season. I can see a change in him. I'm expecting big things from John. I know he's gone through some some things. Uh, I know he I believe he had LASIK surgery. I know that's something that he wants to improve his ability to catch the football because he has the skill set to run the routes. Um, but you know, Clyde had over 50 catches in 2019. Now it's yeah. 15 games, but he had over 50 catches. I, I think he set the record for most by a running back. Yep, and there Trust were games me. where he had 8-9. Yeah, he lets me know all the time that he passed <laughs> me up. But <laughs> in a 10-game season, your top two backs only had 22 catches yeah. combined. total. Mm. Okay, so that number's got to go not only a little bit, but it's got to go way up because John Emery in space is scary yeah. if I'm a defender. We saw it in 2019, Utah State. <laughs> Right, he catches an easy swing pass, makes one guy miss, and he's yep. off to the races. Yep. He's got the ability. Now he's got to show him day in and day out that he can handle the process of lining up, running the right route, running the right hot route. Because you're going to be asked to be in the slot a lot as well. I saw that in the spring game. Right, that's not we didn't even really see that in 2019. But you're going to be in the slot, so you're going to be asked to run some different routes. Uh, some we won't call them picks here. We'll call them rubs. Some rub routes uh, from the slot. Offensive so, guy. Yeah, without question. So that part of their game because at the end of the day look these two guys can run the football right they've got a different skill set but they can run the ball i need to see the overall game improve now pass protection in this day and age in college football you're not going to be asked to do a lot of that anymore it's not like 
you're going to have the sub protection where it's four down and Mike for the offensive line, and you've got everybody else, a lot of free releases, which is something we loved in 2019 with Clyde. Yep. Right? He free released more than any back in the country. But you've got to show me that you can do it on a consistent basis for me to be able to throw you the football, which I have to be able to do. So one of the great new things on Pro Football Focus is they've, they've divided it up into um, your runs into schemes, basically. And uh, I, I could dive into the numbers. I'm not, I'm not going to right now because I've done so many numbers. But basically, in 2019, what did LSU do in the running game? Well, I'm, I'm asking you. What, what was LSU's go-to running play in the running game no, in 2019? It was, it, it was zone. Every, every time. It, it, basically every yeah, time. Every inside time, zone, the, outside the zone. The only thing you saw different on a rare occasion was an ISO run where Thaddeus Moss was an absolute stud at, by yep. the way, motioning in and being able to go up on that Mike linebacker. But that was as a exotic as you saw was yeah. an ISO run. Inside zone, outside zone. It was perfect for Clyde. He's yeah. smart. He could read the field. He's It just fit his game perfectly. Every single time, easy for the offensive line. Right. Everyone knew it was coming. Didn't no one could stop it. By the way, I do want to address the fact that we have answered one question from Sea Dog nineteen ninety four, who asked, "What's the early return on the freshman running backs?" And now I'm diving into a kind of a secondary question here um, from Nick Baldwin three twenty three, who asked, "Let's hear more about the running back rotation," which is kind of what we just touched on. But this one specifically, Kane Broussard, will the schemes be similar to twenty nineteen? And Kane's probably asking both passing, probably leaning more toward passing, if I had to guess. But there's a running component in there too, and we saw this in the spring game. The, the, the running attack that we saw in the spring game was completely different from what yeah. we saw last year from LSU, which was more like the 2019 of basically inside-outside zone. A little bit of power mixed in here and there. Yeah. A, little a little bit power of power counter some. Li- little yeah. ISO here and there. And I'm not the, I'm not the running game scheme guy. I, I defer that to you. But in the spring game, it was... I mean, there were... What, what's it called when you pull both guards? Counter. Okay. So there was some counter. Um, there, there, I mean... It, Every run play had a different look and different element to it. Now, Ty was out there. He ran a little bit. Uh, Nick Demas, I think, was the, the second running back because everyone was beat up, so we didn't get to see yeah. John and, 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 um, and, and some of the other guys that are the, the two young guys in that scheme. I even saw some Buck Sweet, by the way, with both guards. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I was asking about, Buck yeah. Sweet. I couldn't think of the term. Um, and we'll get you there. I, I'm, I'm going to learn. I'll, I'll be studying. Two days. We're going to get it right. <laughs> um, but the scheme, running-wise, had changed. You add in the potential of a max at quarterback, and that opens up your running attack a little bit. So I think the the running game last year to me was really the missing ingredient, especially when Miles was in there. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of support in the running game. So if he's the guy, you've got to get him support. If if, if Max is the guy, you've got to compliment what he can do in the running game. But I feel good about where LSU is going uh, as a running back unit. Um, we've got about 10 minutes, and I want to touch on the pass catchers and and and. We can do this in a, in a question format. So, again, if you're on Twitter Spaces and you want to ask a question, um, hit the request. I will go back to Instagram. I'm impressed with how fast you're going. Dude, I, 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 let's go. I'm getting better. Like, imagine how good I'm going to be in the middle of the season when when we've got the reps in and we're, we're, we're used to it. Oh, I picked the wrong story. There we go. All right, so we talked about the running back uh, rotation. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that, uh, that, that I know you're going to love answering. Um, and this is going to be a popular question among fans. This, one, this one's from my guy Bishop. No, nope, not fullback. No, full this is from my guy Bishop. Uh, two of my favorite LSU guys, talking about us. What's up, Bishop? Uh, how will we utilize Trey Palmer in the offense and special teams? You knew I was going to love I it. Knew, I teed you, you up for the Trey Palmer absolutely question. knew I was going to love it. Look, promise me we'll see one thing this year. Trey Palmer with the ball in his hands in space. I don't care what it is. Like, put him in the slot, bubble screen, put him out wide, You know, tunnel screen, quick now routes. I don't care what it is. Go routes. 
hitches. Give him 10 plays to learn. And I don't care if it's the only 10 plays he knows. And I'm not saying he has trouble learning his plays. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, make it as easy as possible for him because with the ball in his hand, he is dynamic. Yeah. He is a game changer. He's a playmaker. He's been a playmaker since he was a Kentwood kangaroo. Okay. And he was dominating the Louisiana Superdome. He's returned a kick and a punt already in his LSU career. Okay. That, that tells you something. It, it had been what, like 36 years since we had seen a kickoff return for a touchdown in Tiger Stadium? Well, he did that. Yep. Okay. So this is someone, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he, if he can't run every route on the route tree, if he doesn't do the side adjust like you're supposed to. I don't know. I don't know that. And, and I'm not, you know, his position coach, which I'm, <laughs> I'm sure Mickey would be like, hey, let, let's work on these things, A, sure. B, and C, right? But I think everyone can agree that when he has the ball in his hands, it's going to be a dynamic play. And I would love to see LSU come up with something, a package for him. And you can run so many things, as you know this, Cody, you've watched enough football, that he can even be the decoy. Like say you run the bubble screen, he picks up 15 yards. What are you going to come back to later? Where are you going to run the bubble screen with a slant behind it? You hit the slant for 80. When you have someone that terrifies defenses with the ball in his hand, he can terrify him with the ball in his hand and without the ball because of what he does with the ball in his hand. So I hope he becomes a part of this offense. I do think, like, as far as the number two receiver, I think that is Dre Jenkins. But that's not to say that Trey Palmer cannot absolutely have a role in this football team. So you touched on a question there that we got. And I'll, I'm going to ask the question, just to organize myself here, I'm going to ask the question that you just touched on. I'm going to go back, talk about Trey Palmer for a second, and then pivot to the answer to this question. My friend Scott Burns asked uh, on Twitter, uh, who emerges as wide receiver two behind Butte by the end of the season? Coy Moore, Jare Jenkins, and John Jay Kirkland have the experience. I think Deion Smith, Chris Hilton, Brian Thomas have a chance to break out. Um, there was also a question from Eric Hart on Instagram, if I can get my uh, my face ID to load uh, here. By the way, real quick, while you're face IDing, I think uh, Coy Moore has a role at the running back position. Ah, I was going to touch on that. Don't don't jump the gun here. <laughs> okay, okay sorry. Don't jump the gun here. Sorry. Eric Hart asked Butte is number one, who will be 2-3 by the time we play Auburn for that tough October stretch. Make sure there aren't any more. Uh, L. Mitch, 33, on Instagram asks who will be the starting wide receivers. So a lot of curiosity there. And I want to touch on a couple things. One, to go back to Trey Palmer and to talk about Coy Moore, too, to lump them in together. Which, by the way, I never did the who's back, who's returning, who's new thing for wide receiver. Uh, we may save save some of that for another episode and we'll just keep this to the Q&A part because um, I just mentioned some new new names there. So the, 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 the Trey Palmer aspect, one thing we were just talking about the running game that we saw in the spring game that I've been dying to see is using the wide receivers as an extension of the running game. Right. So we talked about using the running backs in the passing game. I love the ability to use the wide receivers in the run game, whether it's an actual handoff, um, the easy little, you're in the shotgun, the little shovel, shovel pass yeah. to the receiver who's coming on the, the sweep motion, um, whether it's just a, a bubble screen, whatever. Basically, extension of the running game, but get it in the wide receiver's hands. I think Trey Palmer is great for that. I think Coy Moore showed that he could be a running back in the backfield. Carolina did a lot of that when Jake yeah. Pete was in Carolina with wide receivers Curtis in the backfield. With, yes, with Curtis Samuel, a ton of that. So you might see some of that. LSU did a little bit of it in 19 with with Justin Jefferson, with right. Jamar Chase, but not a ton because they didn't need to. Right. This team might need to. Um, Trey Palmer could be a guy that, that's good there. Coy Moore could be a guy that's good there. To pivot it to the second conversation, who emerges as wide receiver two, three down the line? 
that is my biggest question mark for the passing game and for the offense going into the season. I, I think there's not a lot of questions on the offensive line. We'll talk about them on a different episode. Not a ton of questions at running back. Quarterback, obviously, like who starts, whatever, but that's that's an obvious question. I'm not concerned about wide receiver 2-3. I just don't really know because Kayshawn is great. Kayshawn is going to be a superstar. It's Already who, is, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's who are those next guys, and... I don't know because John Trey Kirkland, huge spring game, but is he a number two guy or is he more of a number three guy? Jare Jenkins had a very good season last year, showed some really good things, but is he a number two guy or is he more of a number three guy? Then it's the young guys, Chris Hilton. We've heard he could be the next Jamar Chase type of talent if he can if he can show up ready to go. Brian Thomas Jr., Terrace Marshall type build, physicality, right. strength. Deion Smith has gotten Justin Jefferson comparisons. Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh. Like there's... There's a lot of young names and a lot of competition there. I wish I could answer the question. I don't think I have enough information to answer the question. I didn't even mention Devontae Lee and right. you know, Cole Taylor at tight end. Like, There's going to be a ton of weapons to go to. I wish I could answer the question now. I don't think I have enough information. I'll try to do it as quickly as possible. Talking with NFL scouts, and I've got some friends who are in that field. One of the players they talk about most with me is Dre Jenkins. They say, you've got something special there. And that's not me just saying that for the Hey Fighting podcast. That is the truth. They talk about Jare Jenkins way more than you probably expect. So I do believe he is receiver two, averaged over 17 yards per catch a year ago. The who's number three, that is still up in the air. That is going to be a position battle. But I can tell you this, Coach O joins OTB every single Tuesday. And anytime we ask him about the freshman class, he goes straight to the receiver position 99% of the time. And the thing he does is he names almost all of them. It's not just one guy. Like he's impressed by this freshman class. We talked about it earlier. You can transition nowadays to college football so much faster as a true freshman in the passing game because of 707s seven because you've seen quarters, you've seen quarter quarter halves, you've seen two man, you've seen man free, you've seen them all. Yeah. You've seen all of the coverage on the 707 circuit so you can transition faster. Expect one of the true freshmen to not only push, but probably land in that number three receiver spot. Yeah, I'll, I'll be. Um, that's the thing I'm watching in, in, in the fall. I want. I want to see who who steps up there. You feel really confident about Jare at number two. Everything I saw from Jare last year tells me that he can be a number two guy. Um, but there is some competition there, and it'll be how quickly can those freshmen catch up. And I go back to Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall's freshman year when the talent was evident, but there was still a learning curve. There yeah. was injury issues with Terrace. There was. You know, understanding the whole playbook, and by the end of the year, Jamar exploded. Right. And then to go back to last year, Kayshawn was behind Terrace, and you know you had Eric Gilbert there, and you had some other some other targets there. But by the end of the year, when he got his opportunity, Kayshawn exploded. Set an SEC record. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> there, there is the opportunity for any of those guys, whether it's Chris Hilton, whether it's um, Brian Thomas Jr., whether it's Malik Neighbors, Deion Smith, Jack Besh. All of those guys are going to get opportunities in the fall. Um, in fall camp, and then in the first couple of games. And the beauty of this season compared to last season, it's back to a normal season, there are some games there, especially after that UCLA game with Central Michigan, and I don't know the whole schedule off the top of my head, McNeese State, where you can work in some young guys mm -hmm. in lower-stake situations, maybe with the lead, and see what they're capable of. So excited to see how that develops. We, um, we came in with a plan to, to, to reflect. We came in with a plan. We executed most of the plan. Went a little off script at times. Um, so basically, you're normal to a day. I feel pretty good about it. I think we got at least two episodes out of this. Probably just one long episode, but maybe two different episodes. 
Twitter spaces went okay. We still have people listening. I really appreciate everyone that yeah, listened absolutely. today. Um, to Adam for hopping on and asking questions. I saw one more question request in there. I didn't get to it. My bad. It's my fault. I'll get better at, at moderating it. Um, but we're going to bring back the Twitter spaces element, maybe incorporate the technology a little bit better, make it smoother. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'm not live on spaces right now as we still have a few listeners, but if you're listening to the podcast element, I'll schedule it out. Maybe we'll do it at a time where like people aren't at work, um, you know, like doing their actual jobs um, and they're able to hop on. So um, we'll, we'll continue to incorporate that throughout the season. And uh, hopefully by the time the fall rolls around, we're talking after LSU beats the brains out of UCLA and we've got a bunch of people hopping in on Twitter space and asking questions and, uh, and we're there in LA enjoying the festivities. Oh, I can't wait for that one. I'm excited to be a part of the podcast again this year, but I think I'm most excited about the hurry up and the craziness that's inevitably going to happen for sure after the games. Yeah, the hurry up is... Uh, is Whatever a, version we come up with, I'm excited about the match. I'm just happy to have help on the hurry up. Okay. I'm happy for it to not be a, a one-man show anymore. It's going to be a really a three-man show with me, with you, with Nick Ashton, who's not here today, but who's been helping me out with the production, has been super valuable so far. Got some great ideas for the fall. We're excited about it. Me and you will get back together for another two-a-day. We didn't talk about the linemen. We didn't talk about the defense at all. There's still a lot to talk about with this team. It's a long summer. Um, so I'm looking forward to those conversations. Appreciate your time as always. Look forward to the next one. Thanks to Paul as well for uh, for running the boards. We're right on time, man. We're going to get out of here, let these guys get prepped for their noon show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Hey Fine Podcast. Like we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said fight, fight, fight. Victory for victory. Victory for 